My experience in all of this has been based on me searching out and looking for people who know more about this than I do. Not only in the clothes, but you can also relate this to raising a transgender child. You reach out, you you become part of groups and social networks that really allow you to, to learn and blossom. Obviously, raising a transgender child is easier than creating an apparel company because raising a transgender child, that just comes from love. I mean, that's just loving your child and wanting the best for them. That part is easy, right? The clothing company is a much harder one. But I believe that they do go hand in hand because as I've worked really hard at increasing my network for the apparel company. It's taught me a valuable lesson to work just as hard at creating a social network of parents and allies for my family and for families like mine. Welcome. I am your host, Dino Cattaneo, and you're listening to Authentic Leadership for Everyday People the podcast where we investigate the connection between effective leadership and authenticity. If you're looking for inspiration and tips on how to become a better leader by being your true self, you're in the right place. Last week, we talked to the team running 23rd Veteran, an organization that created a mental health program to help veterans deal with trauma. It was special to have them as guests, also because it's an organization they occasionally volunteer for. My guest today is also somebody that I have a relationship with. It's a business relationship, and you will hear about it during our conversation. Jeff Bender is the CEO and founder of Lion and Owl, a new company that creates genderless, stylish, and comfortable clothing for kids. Jeff started the company when he realized that his daughter is transgender. So the company has a stated mission to provide a platform for all kids plus, so they feel safe, included, and confident enough to be true to themselves no matter what. They also have a broader goal, to create community and education to support diversity and inclusion among LBGTQ youth. In our conversation, Jeff talked about the parallels between learning how to parent a transgender child and starting a business in an industry he knew nothing about. We talked about some of the unique challenges that a venture like Lionel faces, but we also covered some of the fundamental steps that his business shares with all startups. And of course, we talked about how to try and start a conversation around the topic that right now is as polarizing as transgender and LGBTQ plus rights. It's a powerful episode. You will hear Jeff talk a lot about the importance of love and the power of love. So let me extend you an invitation to listen with an open heart. Thank you. Let's start this conversation the way I start every conversation. Why don't you introduce yourself to my listeners? Tell us what you're doing right now and sort of how you got here and you can take as little or as much time as you want. Thank you. So my name's Jeff and I am a father to two amazing kids and I am here because one of my children uh, is transgender and she is 10 years old. We've known that she was not all the way out as transgender when she was little, but you know, you knew something, right? And my wife and I are, are fully supportive. And we decided that we were going to do something to hopefully protect and make the world that she lives in a better and safer space for kids like her. And 
I guess I'll just go back to like really the, where it all started a little bit. I was in hospitality forever. I went to culinary school and I worked in kitchens and for grocery stores and all kinds of cool things like that. And when my wife and I decided to move back to St. Louis to start a family, I got a job at a wine shop and really got into the wine. And, you know, a few years later, a, a partner of mine, we decided we'd open up our own store. We opened up a store here, a wine store that's still going strong. We're now 13 years open. And I worked there full time. But then we had our kids. And when I realized that I had a transgender child, this crazy idea popped into my head while she was wearing leggings. And if anyone out there is familiar with leggings, they're pretty tight. You don't have to imagine what's going on underneath. And I just realized like, God, there's got to be some something different. There's got to be a way... There's got to be leggings out there for trans kids that they can wear and feel comfortable in and without showing, you know, what they've got underneath or on top. And so I did a little research and I found out that while there are some businesses out there that cater to adult transgender, there wasn't anything out there for 7 to 13, 7 to 14. And so... I thought maybe this could be something that that would really give me meaning, give me purpose. And so I remember it happened. It's so crazy, but all of these instances are just, it's like magic is happening. But I remember one day when I was working at the store, my parents were there and I just told them, I'm like, man, I'm just really unhappy. I just don't like where, where I am and what I'm doing. And they asked, well, if you could do anything, what would it be? And I said, I would like to make these leggings <laughs> for my kid. It just so happened that a woman, a, a sales rep, a, a wine rep, just happened to be about 10 feet away from us. And she came up to me and said, uh, please don't be mad at me, but I happened to eavesdrop on your conversation and I heard what you had said about these leggings. Would you mind if I shared that with my daughter and her wife who happens to have some kind of background in fashion? Okay, go ahead. I had a phone call that night from her daughter and her wife and they said, hey, I know a few things that you can do. Let's connect you to some some people here locally. And one thing led to another. And all of a sudden, an idea for leggings has now turned into a full-time job and a full-time children's apparel company. And we went from the idea of leggings to... We're now creating, which our first collection will be released next spring. We're now creating leggings, joggers, tees, hoodies... We're working on uh, specialized undergarments, dresses, skirts. So it's it's gone from like this crazy little idea I had in my head to now 
my wife telling me you should quit your job at the wine store. She works doubles to help pay our bills. (laughs) And one thing led to another a year and a half later, I'm on the podcast with you. For full disclosure for our listeners, my business partner, Kat, is helping Jeff and the company work on their first Kickstarter, which I believe should be in market soon. So look out for the Kickstarter. And so I want to disclose this business relationship because the agency that I'm a partner of will also do some of the marketing for the company later on. But, you know, despite the fact that we have the relationship, I was really inspired by the store and that's why I invited Jeff on. So tell me about the challenges in going from being an entrepreneur in a wine store to tackling on a whole new category and then having to build relationships, find support and and educate yourself into this whole new field. Well, obviously I had zero experience in apparel and the experiences that I had obviously were more related to hospitality. So I've always known one of my favorite things is that I tell my kids that the smartest person in the room is always the one that asks the most questions. And so what I set out to do, I was fortunate in the sense that I was connected to a company called Stars Design Group from the very beginning. And Stars is a global manufacturer of apparel, and they work with enormous brands. And I got to meet them really early on. And when I got to sit down with them and tell them my idea, and I gave them my little 30-minute pitch, uh, they pretty much said, that was great. We appreciate it. But We've been talking about this for two weeks, and we want to do everything we can to help you. And so my experience in all of this to to get to this point has been really based on me searching out and looking for people who know more about this than I do. Not only in the clothes, but you can also relate this to raising a transgender child. You reach out, you become part of groups and social networks that really allow you to to learn and blossom. And obviously, raising a transgender child is easier (laughs) than creating an apparel company because raising a transgender child, that just comes from love. I mean, that's just loving your child and wanting the best for them. And so, that, that part is easy, right? But the clothing company is a much harder one. But I believe that they do go hand in hand because as I've worked really hard at increasing my network for the apparel company, it's taught me a valuable lesson to work just as hard at creating a social network of parents and allies for my family and for families like mine. And as you think about the transformation that sort of events like life throws you a transgender child and you, your life takes a big turn, how has that changed your sense of purpose and what work means to you? I'll go just a little back on this. I would say that I was somewhat lost as a teenager and as a young adult. I 
really had no purpose. And that really, I think, took a big toll on me mentally, uh, emotionally. I felt that why was I not given something great to do? And I think that affected me. And so my wife will tell you for as long as she's known me and we've been uh, married since 2005, that I always wanted to do something that filled my heart and filled my mind and gave me emotional satisfaction. And so, one, I'm lucky that the universe gave Anna and I Caden, and I am really ecstatic that the fact that Caden got us as parents because we know how hard it is for a lot of families and a lot of kids out there. So just that in itself gives me purpose. But on top of that, having finally found something that fills me spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, it's unlike anything or any emotion I've ever felt. And the last year and a half doing this has has really just fulfilled me in ways that I never thought that I would ever find. That's great. And as you think about your role now as a CEO and founder of The Lion and the Owl, and you think about leading your team, your company, what are some of the leadership traits that you want to model? You know, how do you aspire to be as a leader? So it's funny because the team that we have in place for The Lion and the Owl they all come from different work backgrounds. And I have no experience in corporate, none. I spent a couple months doing a little corporate thing and it was the worst three months of my entire life. So I was quick to exit that. So I don't really have that kind of experience. So when I see the our team members who come from corporate backgrounds, you know, It's funny because they obviously have different sort of leadership qualities and styles because of the where of the place that they work and their experience. My experience comes from a kitchen. And your leader was the executive chef. And you know, your best executive chef was wonderful at creating the dish, the idea of the dish, and then announcing what it is that you were going to make. The staff, your kitchen staff, were the ones that executed that recipe, that executed that plan. And so my leadership style is one that you would find in a kitchen. And I tell the team, yes, this is my idea. It may be my idea for a dish, but it's up to you guys, because you know more than I do about this, to execute it and to create the dish. And once it's finalized and finished and plated, obviously the executive chef was the one to put it on the counter and call out for someone to take it to the table. And so that's the way that I work. That's the way that I lead. And I will never change the way that I do that because that is in my DNA. That's my background. And My favorite people, my favorite leaders were the ones that were very positive 
that allowed freedom to work and freedom to create, just like in a kitchen. I never enjoyed the executive chef who yelled at you. That was not my my favorite type of person to work for. My favorite type of person to work for was like, hey, come up with your own. So that's that's my leadership style and and you know, let people enjoy what they do. As you are building your team and looking for people who join you, what are you looking for in them? Well, obviously they have to uh side on the <laughs> political and social side that obviously I am. It's hard to work for a a gender equal clothing company if you don't believe in equality and equal rights for all. So obviously that's first. And uh, the other traits that I look for, the ones that have that have helped me along the way are obviously they share my vision and my idea of apparel has no gender, that we should be able to wear whatever we want to wear that makes us feel good. And the people that are on our team, obviously, they all have something special about them that they bring to the overall group. And whether that's a specialty or even a family member or a child that is also transgender or maybe non-binary or fit within that LGBTQ community, those are the people we're looking for. And this idea that we have, this this grand vision of mine is when I close my eyes and I think about our future is a, a space filled with LGBTQ employees who do not have to fear going into their workspace of the way they dress or who they are or who their partner is. It's a workforce filled with people of positivity and creativeness that just want to be themselves. And I'm assuming, assuming like employees, you're assuming employees all over the world, not just within your company. Yeah, all over. Yes. I mean, it's crazy to me now that so much is done over the internet, like Zoom calls and Microsoft Teams and Google Meet. It's in one sense, it's allowed me access to so many people all over which is wonderful. And, but at the same time, you can't discount being in the same room with someone and having a conversation. And what are some of the challenges that you've had to face? Well, obviously, any founder is going to tell you money, (laughs) (laughs) finances. That's obviously number one. Every founder is going to tell you the same thing. You know, you, you need money, but other other things that we've run into, obviously, it's an issue that is very polarizing, especially in today's climate. So we really have to be careful in that sense, because there are people out there who don't agree, and that they will take this idea that we have of just making gender-free clothing, gender-equal clothing, as something that's you're trying to turn my kid or you're trying to do your gay agenda type stuff. And, and obviously that comes with it. You know, I just recently was on a radio show here locally and 
It was a wonderful little segment talking about some of the books that I'm going on tour with soon. And as soon as I was finished, my first message on my phone pops up, right? That someone decided they were going to go to my website, our website, go through the trouble of finding the contact page to write an email telling me how what I'm doing is awful and that I should go to hell. So that is first and foremost the most challenging thing about what we're doing. I want to ask you a difficult question. You obviously have a very positive mindset. How would you open a a positive conversation with somebody with that mindset? Yeah, we talk about this a lot, the team. And, you know, for me, it, it really just comes down to love. I know it's such a cliche to say, but and and the whole hashtag love wins type thing and love is love but it's true it's so true and i'll tell a short story about my mother was at target during pride month and remember there was a whole lot of like hoopla going around about target having a pride display she was at the target she was really excited to see the display she was taking pictures to send me and a gentleman walks up to her doesn't know her and says to her, oh, are you taking pictures for the, you know, to show the manager? And she said, no, I'm taking pictures to show my son. And this gentleman says, I can't believe that they have this up. I am here to speak to the manager. I, they need to take this down or I'll never shop at Target again. And my mom, that's the first time that's ever happened to her, was frozen. And she's telling me this on the phone and she's upset. Like, this gentleman yelled at me and. I don't I didn't know what to say to that. And so I told her, in that situation, you ask that person, tell me how this is affecting your life. Tell me how this is making your life or your day worse. What is it doing that it is affecting the way you live? Because it really just comes down to all of us doing what we can to help each other live the happiest life we can. And when dealing with children, right? Come on. What do you have against kids? That's what we tell people all the time. That's our argument. It's really, it's, wait a minute. Oh, you don't want kids to be happy? Well, no, no, I want kids to be happy. Well, but if you want kids to be happy, shouldn't they be able to wear what they want to wear? Well, well, no. Oh, so then you're not. Well, you're just twisting my words around. I mean, I've had that conversation multiple times. And at the end, when you just ask them, don't you want kids to be happy? I mean, you're, you're stuck in that situation. Those people either have to admit that they're wrong, which people hate to do, or they agree with you and they say, you're right. Like, what does it matter what a kid's wear? So... That's what I think about that. Yeah. (laughs) How do you follow that? (laughs) Right. No, I I actually, I have a question more on a broader sense. So obviously you chose to take a path that's an entrepreneurial path and in a very challenging field and environment. For somebody who is thinking about taking a similar step, um, what are some of the things that they should be thinking about? Well, obviously the first and foremost is what problem do you solve? If your idea doesn't solve a problem, then I think that 
it would be a wasted exercise, wasted money. Obviously, what we're doing solves a huge problem. And most of the the ideas that that come into this space you know, we look at Kickstarter and we spend a lot of time on Kickstarter, you know, researching and getting our ideas. And the ones that are obviously the most popular are the ones that solve a problem, that create a product that helps our lives out, whether it's it's daily or yearly or monthly. It's something that the majority of people need to help solve the problem they have in their life. That's Number one, number one. And then after that, you have to think about how much do you really know about this endeavor you want to take on? If you're someone like like myself who had no experience in apparel, then you better be able to put aside your ego and your pride and ask for help at every chance you can get. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't reach out to someone on either LinkedIn or Facebook asking, hey, I'm a dad and I have a transgender child and I need your help. And that's that's what I do. So, you know, solve a problem, have a great team around you. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Great. So if people want to learn more, what is the website? And then I'm assuming the Kickstarter will be heavily featured on the website once it goes live? Yeah, so the website is lionandowl.us or lionandowl.us because we are us and the lion and the owl represent all of us. So we kind of like that little play on the whole US. And the Kickstarter will be on that page. And then obviously the Kickstarter will be on all of our social media stuff our Instagram and Facebook and TikTok sites. Yeah. So, and we're, you know, we're in a, what we would call our pre-seed funding stage. So we're still meeting with people and, and family and friends who have shown an interest in an equity partnership. And so we're still open to that as well. That's fabulous. So we're going to move now to the personal side of the podcast, even though this has been pretty personal so far. What is a hobby or an interest that you have outside of work and how has that impacted the way you think about work? So I play video games with my oldest daughter all the time. That's a big hobby of ours. And spending time with my family. I know people will say that's not really a hobby, but for someone who spent the majority of their life with hospitality hours, never being home at night, never being home for holidays. It's really important that I that I get to be home now and take the kids to school and pick them up from school. I know it's probably sounds stupid to say, but honestly, it's something that I never got to do before. So I've spent a lot of time with my family the last year and a half. Now we're going to go to my favorite question of the podcast, which is every era has business cliche practices jargon that are so overused that they lose meaning, which is the one that drives you crazy. I want to say, obviously, I've listened to your podcast. I've listened to many of the episodes and I always loved this question. So I was excited that I got the opportunity to say it. Now, without, obviously, you know that I haven't had a ton of experience in corporate work, 
but I do have one that I absolutely hate. And that is, well, we've always done it this way. That drives me crazy. And <laughs> even though I haven't been in corporate, I've been in, an, in enough workspaces that I've heard that over and over again. Well, we've always done it this way. That drives me crazy. Evolve or die, right? That is true. Okay, final question. Call it food for the body or food for the soul. And if you go the body route, a, a recipe, a drink, maybe a wine, given your expertise. Or if you want to go the soul route, something, a piece of art, music, book, movie, something that nourishes your soul right now. I am going to make an executive decision and do both. Fantastic. Obviously, I have a background in food. So I make a lot of stuff. And a lot of people will often ask, well, you're, you have a culinary background, so you probably make really fancy stuff. And the answer is absolutely not. And if you ask chefs, they're going to tell you that they're, most of them, their favorite foods are chicken fingers. <laughs> so I do make a lot of stuff. We cook a lot at home. So that still brings me great joy. And if you were to ask my wife, I make an absolutely amazing chicken marsala. And so I think that's like my go-to. It's like my one meal I had in a restaurant that you like never forget the first time you had it. It's so crazy, but I, I never forget the first time I had it. For my soul, I found that going to the gym and getting some work done there really clears my mind and makes me feel so much better about my day because starting a company, there are a lot of slow periods of time where you can really get down on yourself about not doing enough. And by going to the gym, I feel like I've accomplished something no matter what that day has given me. And then music is huge in our lives. So I'm lucky that my wife and I share a favorite band Shout out to Fish if they ever listen to this and they want to meet me. And then <laughs> secondly, we listen. It's so funny, but we listen to so much Taylor Swift with our transgender daughter and we sing and we dance. So that is fantastic. Jeff, thank you very much for being on the podcast. I'm very excited that at some point your path crossed our path and we're going to actually get a chance to work together, hopefully in a few months. Yes, I am really excited and I'll be visiting with your business partner this weekend. Well, this will be on at a later date, but I am planning. I have actually a book stop in, in your neck of the woods, I believe, uh, this weekend. So it'll be interesting to come up and see you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, find a friend who may enjoy it and tell them that they should listen to it. And if you really like the show, tell all your friends and post about it on social media. Every little bit helps. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on your favorite listening platform so you don't miss any episode. And if you listen on a platform that allows reviews like Apple Podcasts, Audible, or Good Pods, please leave us a stellar rating and a review. Five stars all the way. Stick around because after the credit, I'm going to play a song by Honest Mechanic, the indie pop folk duo of Susan Catano and Paul Hansen. And it's been a while since I played a song from them, so stick around. For more information on the episode and all the links, you can go to the website al4ep.com spelled with the number four you can email me at dino at al4ep.com and please follow the podcast on whatever social platform you're using on twitter and instagram the handle is at al4edp 
with the letter D, and on Facebook, look for Authentic Leadership for Everyday People. This episode was produced by me, Dino Cattaneo, with additional edits by Pro Podcast Solutions. It was recorded remotely using Squadcast.fm. The theme music was composed, produced, and arranged by Nicolas Cattaneo, who also played keyboards and drums with Tony Salverino on guitar and Jesse Williams on bass. And now, here's a song by Honest Mechanic. It's called Sun or Shadow. Just the two of us